Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it'll help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory. Good morning. First reading is from Jeremiah chapter 31. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, You should know the Lord, for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. Here ends the reading. The second reading is from the third chapter of Romans. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given, for its purpose is to keep the people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ, whom he, when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in the times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in the present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we have done everything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law, it is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. Here ends the reading. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Our lesson comes from the eighth chapter of John. So Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. But we're descendants of Abraham, they said. We've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you'll be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave, a slave of sin. 
A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is a part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Maybe seated. So uh, this, is, this is always an interesting service. Reformation Sunday has these readings. These are some of my favorites. It's really like my Lutheran flag is flying this week where I'm like, man, right? When I hear these readings, I love them. Um, so it's Reformation weekend, and I'm a big fan of all this because I am a really big fan of honesty. That's what this is all about. Reformation recognizes a necessity for being remade, changed, meaning how it is whether it be you, me, the church, it is by no means a finished product. We're not done being made. It's humility recognizing that as a reforming church, we are far from perfect. By a long shot, we are not perfect. We are self-aware then in our desire to be remade. Luther, when he kicked off the Reformation, had a lot of that. He was very honest about his own shortcomings and failings. He would always speak from this sense of like, utter unworthiness even when he'd like say rude things to other people and be kind of condescending it also end with like yeah and that's coming from me a real worm and i always thought that was so funny um but then he got a little more famous he got a little older and he started becoming less and less self-aware i think a little less humble a lot less humility you know in fact he became nearly resolute in his not wanting to really hear the opinions of others because they're just so ridiculous. It was in his old age he said some of his most repugnant things about his detractors, even people who just thought differently from him or disagreed with him. This was also when he became deeply anti-Semitic in what he wrote about, something we should consider in the wake of what's happened in Pittsburgh. (laughs) We bear part of the responsibility of these sentiments. This is our teacher, right? This is Luther who was repeating this thing. We have to own the fact that sometimes we become so intolerant of anybody's opinions, terrible things happen like we see. It's frustrating to be honest about ourselves, about our heritage, about who we are, and about how, yes, we're made in the image of God, but often we don't have the same mind as God. Rarely do we have the same mind as God. I doubt God looked at the ramblings of Luther about his brothers and sisters of the Jewish faith and smiled upon it. I'm sure it was heartbreaking. And that's why I like this passage today from John because it's about Reformation, because it's talking about the difference between your ways and Jesus' ways. If you want to be my disciple, Jesus says, your ways might not be the only way to follow. No, in fact, if you follow my teachings, if you imitate me, then, then you are my disciple. And then you'll be made free because then you'll know the truth. And you may be thinking like the crowd, like a lot of us think, well, I'm, a, I'm actually quite free right now. I'm free to do things I want to do. But he's arguing perhaps, and this is the dangerous kind of enslavement, Perhaps you're enslaved and you're comfortable with it. Perhaps you're fine with it. So change. Follow me. Refocus and you will see what true freedom really is. Like this weekend, right? A time for our confirmands to affirm what was already said in their baptism, but to really embrace it, to commit themselves, to refocus on this milestone of professing their faith, of owning that baptism and saying, 
Oh, I am a follower of Jesus Christ and I imitate Jesus in my ways, my works, in my words. Do any of you remember your confirmation experience? Raise your hand. Yes, great, good, very good. Do you remember all the words you said? Oh, there it is, little bits, pieces, right? Sound kind of similar to the baptism stuff. Yeah, I basically remember, right? Um, at the heart of the rite of confirmation is a refresher on what it looks like to imitate Jesus, to follow Jesus. And we're asked some questions about who we are, and honestly, what are we all doing here? In short, would you like to be a disciple? Would you like to imitate Jesus? It's an important question because you could do something else entirely. There's no requirement to do this. You could do something else. I'll admit, I sometimes don't imitate Jesus. Oftentimes, I don't imitate Jesus. First example is, Jesus washes people's feet. Yuck. I don't want to be like Jesus. I don't want to. That's so weirdly intimate and vulnerable, and I don't know. I'm not a touchy person. I especially don't want to touch anyone's feet. I don't want anyone to touch my feet. I don't like it. I also am not like Jesus, and that Jesus probably wasn't like six foot two and pushing 300 pounds. I can eat way more than Jesus. I probably eat way more than Jesus wants me to eat. There's a lot of things we do that are not like Jesus because Jesus is Jesus. And Jesus is pretty cool. And we go, yeah, I like him, but I can't do that Jesus stuff because I'm not Jesus. But it's quite appropriate because what's happening in the confirmation rite is not just saying, here's what you got to do to be like Jesus. Here are the things you got to do. Confirmation is about proclaiming as well the things we're going to stop doing. In order to do this, to have this mind of God, perhaps there are things that we could stop doing that are actively in conflict with the way of Christ. Think about that. It's like, if you wanted to get in shape, you could just start like really aggressively exercising, but most would say, beyond just exercise, what's the other thing you got to do? You got to diet, right? Ugh. Yuck. That means you have to stop eating some things. That may mean there are habits, too, you got to stop leaning into that perhaps get in the way of those goals. So when it comes to discipleship, it's the same mind as God, right? I'm trying to be like Jesus to be set free. That doesn't mean I get to do anything I want. In fact, it probably means more than anything, i got to stop doing things that are actively, if not noticeably, enslaving me in sin. So the confirmation rite starts out very appropriately with things we are going to renounce. Renounce is a cool word, right? It's heavy. Renounce. Will you renounce? Will you formally declare your abandonment of a claim, of a right, of a possession? Things will, you will renounce. Will you refuse to recognize or abide any longer? X, Y, Z. So before we do the actual rite at 11 o'clock, I've, we're asking ninth graders. I feel like I can ask you guys, and you can think about that. Um, just quick, do you renounce the devil and all the forces that defy God? Sh sure. It's the devil, right? <laughs> I would hope so, guys. It's the devil. But not this, like, not Darth Vader. I mean, think. Think about, as Luther would probably say, that voice that adversarial voice in your own heart that often whispers something to you that stands in direct opposition of the kingdom. Remember the kingdom. You all know about the kingdom? 
If you don't, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one. It's a great mountain, right? There's a table set, a feast. It's fantastic. And it's set for all people. We just heard a bit about it. God's going to no longer remember the sins. In fact, God is a friend to the sinner in this case. Because he can remember their sins no longer. So the kingdom where all people are gathered. That might be the first thing that you're going, eh, everybody? Is everybody at that table really? That's a tough one. Your enemy will be at that table. So a question, do you renounce the forces that defy this vision of a kingdom of God? Do you renounce any and all opposition in your heart towards this goal? Towards this goal? Do you renounce any attempts you might make that might seek to divide the table? Say, yeah, everyone's at the table, but I'm at the front of it, and my enemies are at the bottom end of it. Do you renounce any feelings of withholding these means of grace? these gifts of God from people that perhaps we've just determined are just not worthy. Do you renounce those feelings? Do you renounce the powers of this world that rebel against God? Remember who God is. God is the Prince of Peace. Jesus Christ, the one who seeks out the lost, the Lord of life, the, the comfort for all those who seek refuge. God, born in poverty. God, a baby who had to be taken to Egypt because his home was no longer safe. Do you renounce the powers of this world that cause us to rebel against that God? This is the same God who was put on a cross as well. He was put on a cross by a mob of people who could no longer tolerate his teachings, could no longer abide this ridiculous message of mercy, his absurd and quite honestly pie-in-the-sky idea that somehow what? Love and self-sacrifice is going to take back the world, bring the world back to health. It's ridiculous. A mob of people who thought, you know what, if we could only put him and people like him on a cross, that would make everything better. Because perhaps instead of this Jesus talk of cooperation, perhaps instead of this Jesus Messiah talk of self-sacrifice and deference, compromise even, heaven forbid, it would be more wise, yes, even easier, to just get rid of people I disagree with. Unite ourselves, perhaps, under a banner of fear, distrust, selfishness, and wrath. It's easy to find someone to feel all those things about. For the record, that is the sentiment of the mob that crucified Jesus Christ. And you remember what Jesus said to those faces, to that mob. Jesus looks at every single one of us when we seek to scapegoat our fears on the backs of someone else and says, God forgive you. You don't know what you're doing. You, you're not in your right mind. So again, I ask, do you renounce the ways of sin that draw us from God? Do you renounce that desire for conflict over cooperation? Can we renounce the unholy notion that if we simply punish Kill, cast out enough people, then finally we'll finally experience true peace. Can we renounce those feelings? I mean, these questions summed up in short is a question. Can we just get honest for a second and ask, do we really want to imitate Jesus of Nazareth? The Prince of Peace. How do we respond to these questions? Because 
If that's the plan, I know what it's going to mean. We know what it means. It means constant reformation. It means acknowledgement and honesty that we are by no means, each and every one of us, a finished product. It's going to take a whole lot of humility. It's going to take a lot of honesty. This is a heavy one, huh? I felt like I was overdoing it when I wrote this. Um, all week I've been kind of pulling my hair out, spinning these questions around. Um, so know that I'm asking myself these questions as well. Do I really want to follow Jesus that closely? These are questions we should ask ourselves every day because these questions aren't just about Reformation Day. These aren't even questions about our ultimate salvation. Spoiler alert, if you haven't read the whole Bible, Jesus wins. <laughs> Salvation's been secured. The tomb is still empty. These are questions about whether we'd like to be like our teacher. These are questions like in John, do you want to be my disciple? That might mean making today look a lot like the kingdom. Would you like to affirm in your ways, words, and works that Christ is Lord? Would you like to today know what true freedom is? Freedom from fear, anger, distrust a desire for vengeance. I think we all want freedom. I just worry we struggle to see that we're in bondage sometimes. If you want to see when you're in bondage, look to those moments where you are outraged, <laughs> confused, when you are so angry and anxious that you can lose grasp of truths we say every week. The tomb is empty. Nobody put Jesus back in there. You and everyone you've ever known is loved by the one who formed the cosmos from a whisper. Death. It's been defeated. We say this. We have a hard time feeling this when we're at our most afraid and angry. It's so hard to remember them, so it's why we have this time and place to be fed, to be forgiven. It's why we have Jesus Christ who shows us what it looks like to live free, to live honestly, to live with humility. Coincidentally, it looks just like being a servant, not a conqueror. We have the Holy Spirit inspiring us in our pursuit of true freedom. So if discipleship, the freedom that comes with that is your goal, and I hope all the confirmands will hear this as you will as well, Hear this loud and clear. Jesus has prepared something for you. Something to help you stay, to keep in this journey of humility and reformation. And it's the church. It's a communion of saints, a body in Christ. It's why God called us all together. And for that I say thanks be to God for the gift of this great cloud of witnesses that will affirm their faiths this week and continue in God's reforming work of this body trying to walk closer to who Jesus was not just in our words thanks be to God for a church that is constantly reforming reforming each and every one of us I hope for the sake of the kingdom for the sake of true freedom amen Thanks again for listening to this week's message from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Please browse our website for other opportunities to grow in faith or serve the Lord. If you are able to worship with us at any time, 
we would be most honored by your presence.